You're listening to the Vineyard Community Church Podcast. For more information, visit vccmountcomfort.org. Good evening, everyone. By the way, great is, my, great is Your Faithfulness is the first and only song I ever sang before a congregation in Korean. So. <laughs> no, I, I don't remember the words. In it. I had the words. I, it was written in Korean. I had the words before. So. Okay. You know, in a corporate setting, a real common question, it's kind of like one of those icebreakers that a lot of people ask you is, if you could do anything you wanted to do without fear of failing, what would it be? This evening, we're going to kind of explore that same question with a twist. We're going to talk about God's call on us. So I'd like to uh, open in prayer. Father, let's let us pray. Holy Spirit, come over us today. We call on the Spirit of God to lead us today. Where you've placed our destiny, our hope, and our lives with you, Lord. Allow us to receive from you all guidance, care, and protection as we step into this year's biggest challenges and make us see your plan for us in your kingdom. Allow your spirit to hover and touch, hover and touch, hover and touch all through this night. And we pray this in Jesus' name. Amen. I'm only going to use one passage today. It's from, so if you have a Bible, it's fine. Most of you know this passage almost by heart anyway, so it's kind of easy. It's from Matthew 14, and it's verses 22 through 33. So if you've got your apps, if you have paper, nothing better than hearing the pages flip. <laughs> As you're getting to it, it's immediately Jesus made his disciples get into the boat and go ahead of him on to the other side while he dismissed the crowd. After he dismissed them, he went up on a mountainside by himself to pray. Later that night, he was there alone, and the boat was already a considerable distance from land, buffeted by waves because the wind was against it. Shortly before dawn, Jesus went out walking on the lake. When the, when the disciples saw him walking on the lake, they were terrified. It's a ghost, they said, and cried out in fear. But Jesus immediately said to them, Take courage, it is I. Don't be afraid. Lord, if it's you, Peter replied, tell me to come to you on the water. Come, he said. Then Peter got out of the boat, walked on the water, and came toward Jesus. But when he saw the wind and was afraid, and, began, and he began to sink and cried out, Lord, save me. Immediately, Jesus grabbed his hand caught him. You have little faith, he said. Why did you doubt? And when they climbed into the boat, the wind died down. Then those who were in the boat worshipped him, saying, Truly, you are the Son of God. So let's go back to our icebreaker. Maybe we should actually ask a little different question. If you could do anything you want to, even if you were going to fail, even if you were going to receive no recognition, even if it was painful and if it was a struggle, is there something that so overwhelms your heart and your mind, your soul, that you are so compelled you have to do this? Is there, is, what would be the divine call of God on your life? And what would that look like? What branding or mark of God on you 
that even if you see it as unprovable, unlikely, and risky, it pulls you to give everything you have to it. That's a little different, isn't it? A call of God on you that's so strong, it compels you, and you can't shake it. Now, it's interesting because when you look at different places, remember Isaiah in Isaiah 6? He didn't actually get a call from God. He's over, overhearing God talk. And they're talking about the situation, and God says, who are we going to send out? And then Isaiah, he's just sitting there going, I got a chance to partner with God. I get to do something with him, the creator of all things. So he cries out, I'll go. And then God answers him. No one's going to listen to you. You're going to be met with stubbornness. No one's going to care. There'll be a pain of lack, there'll be a life of lack, of pain, of frustration. And Isaiah goes, let's lock up rock and roll, road trip, baby. He's all ready to go. That sounds so improbable. Why would that happen? You see, back on the boat, they don't know it's Jesus. I guess you'd say they ghost the ghost. They act like they don't recognize him. And, but Peter speaks up. Is it you? Can we all be sure that our call is really from God? Is it really you? You see, Peter, he has to be sure it's Jesus. Now, of course, for some reason that makes me tickle. He's witnessed miracle after miracle after miracle. And he sees someone then walking on water and goes, Jesus, is that you? Like, are you one of the other people I know that walk on water? Anyway, some reason that cracks me up. But anyway, but but the others in the boat, they just say nothing. They don't hear anything. They don't do anything. I just think it's interesting because they think it's a ghost. And I think it's kind of an important analogy we have to look at when we talk about calling. Because in a ghost, it looks like something, but there's no essence and there's no reality. In essence, it's a mirage. There's no body in it. It just seems like something very close to what it should be. And you know, I don't know if anyone in this room's answered ghosts, but you know, a career can call you out. And it can say, I will give you security. I'll give you stability. I'll protect you financially with all the buffeting of the winds and all of these things. And so we start to listen to this and we we think he'll provide for my family. He'll do all these good things. And so we listen to that and that's what we give our life to, is to our careers. Now this is not all a bad thing, but it's not the only thing. And we have to become aware of that. Sometimes it's community. The sense of community calls out to us and says, be with us. We'll fill you with love and companionship and you'll never be lonely with us. And, and come with us. And, and so we're, we're pulled into that sense of community. Gathering in community is very, very good. Living for community may be dangerous. The other one I, I see a lot, a lot, and, and it's easy to get pulled into it, it's the cause. There are so many really good causes and they need so many people to roll their sleeves up and join in. I mean, there is, there, there's injustice, there's in, greed, there's hate. All of them are seeking champions. 
All of them need someone to, to dive in. And so we, then we become the fighter. We fight the hunger, we fight the racism, we fight the injustice, and it then becomes our life. But is it our call? And so, and that's the hard one, I'm gonna, by the way, because it's really noble and good. Look, there's nothing wrong with fighting for injustice, but sometimes it's not our call. I'll get to you in a second on that. Because what will happen is we become dissatisfied and drained. And so what happens is work becomes drudgery. It's not a call. Community becomes fractured. Oh my gosh, I got hurt. Those people treated me poorly. Well, what did you expect? There's a bunch of people. I mean, and then the cause becomes hopeless. It feels hopeless because it's, it just keeps coming. Every, for every person that's poor, there's more poor. For every person that's fighting injustice, there's more injustice. Because it's not a call. This is the call of Christ and only Christ. See, when I see so many burdened Christians are getting burned out, thinking they heard a call and they answered a ghost. And they're filled with duty and not with presence. And so many are shocked by the hurt of the community. What they were expecting and it was so much more. Others are filled with guilt because they, don't, they just don't want to really continue in the fight, but, but they know that they should, but they feel up this guilt and they're just stressed by the fight. Peter steps toward the compelling power. Come, come to Jesus. For so many of us, our call is not instant. Now, there's, there's probably Rick knew at age 15 or it was, he knew exactly when he was going to become a pastor. He knew, there I go, here's my call. He knew this. Some of us, the call comes, we fight it because it seems crazy, then we, we move along, and, and then we just never feel satisfied, then we come back to it again. So the call doesn't always feel that it's really compelling us, but it is compelling us. It keeps pulling us like a hunger. It's, it's that time when you're looking at the menu and you say, nothing feels good. Then the call comes. It says, cheesecake. Oh, anyway. <laughs> and so many of us, for so many of us, it's a process, and we don't like process. We want to know. And so Peter says, is it you, Lord? Just hear those words. Is it you, Lord? And if you're sitting in church and and you see the spirit moving, and you see it moving on other people, and, and just ask God, tell me, Lord. You know, it's really, really good to just pray to God and say, God, I know you're going to do great things. You're going to do great things today. How can I come alongside with you? How can I partner with you? What is it I can do with you? I know you're doing things. And so that then helps us focus out and get our call. That's what Peter's doing. He hears the prompting of Jesus and he goes, can I come out and do what you're doing? Jesus is walking on water. Peter goes, I want to do what you're doing. And if there's anything more improbable than walking on water, I'm not sure what it is. But Peter says, I'm going because I'm going to be there with Jesus. So you listen, you feel your heart. Then you take steps, maybe even baby steps. 
And so, then, you know, that whole thing is, I know God's going to do great things in China. He's going to do great things in Argentina. But every single day, he does great things in central Ohio. Every single day. And he may want you to partner with him. And he has long-term and short-term goals. But every day, something's going on. And he wants you to partner. Now, I've got 62 things that will help you identify your calling. And we'll, and we'll serve breakfast at sunrise. No, I, got about, I think it's about five. The first thing about the call of God, it will always take you beyond where you've ever been. So basically, the first rule of the calling is you're not qualified for your calling. That's your first rule. The moment you're totally qualified and you know you can do it, that's called a vocation. A calling is different. A calling takes you out and stretches you beyond. A call will take you into the process, but most people want the purpose, not the process. Remember that. You're going to resist this for a reason. You want the vision, but you really don't want all the disruption it does in your life. I'm just talking from my own experience. God loves the process. He's totally about the process. And so, if you want to be with Jesus, we all want to be with Jesus. But we don't want to walk on the water. Understand one thing. The call is going to take you beyond, and it's going to cause you to be separated. You're going to be separated. And now, that, you know, at first that sounds good, until you're separated. And you go, I don't want to be separated. I want to be separated with these guys. Not so, it'll happen. Now, I want you to really hear me here when I say this. The enemy separates you to isolate you. Jesus is going to separate you to educate you, to bond with you. He's going to establish his identity in you. So don't fear stepping away. Don't cling to the boat. That's important. Understand the reason for your stepping away. Paul stepped away for many, many years and sought no other one's counsel. Because he had, he had Christ with him directly. God could change you in an instant. I just think he loves the time with you to walk in the process. The time of, of transformation. You really tr get transformed in the process of moving in your calling. The person that starts that call is nowhere near the person that is now actually walking in the call. For all of us. If there's a single, we have two pastors here and this guy. Not one of us, when we, we received our call and accepted our call, are anywhere close to the person we were just a few years ago because that time with Christ in the process is so valuable it's so valuable some of you get the double whap, zoom, bang, boom and it's like everything just comes to you but that's so rare don't, I mean, so don't expect it it's really rare you know, I, I can't help it I, since we got the, our music team here the song Oceans used to drive me crazy Oceans remember you know what I'm talking about and he goes, so go you call me out on the water with my feet. I'm sort of going, no, don't call me out on the water. I don't want to go. <laughs> and then he's then saying, you know, the oceans rise, my soul will rest in your embrace. And I'm like, who is this madman? You know, I don't want to do these things. I'm, and we're sitting there this actual, singing this. We don't, think, we don't think Jesus can hear us. And so we're singing these out loud. And then, it, you know, then it's almost like suicide. My feet might fail and fear surrounds me. And we sing this with joy. I, what cruel person wrote this? <laughs> but, you know, that's really, it really that's just, the reason that song touches us. It's really all of us 
have had something in our heart that we wish we had, we had had, or have done, or should do, and step into. That's that call. You heard that because there's an affirmation in that of something that God's doing. So, okay, let's move on. The call will rarely be understood by others. Understand that. If you want to bounce some ideas off somebody, your call may not be a good one. Now, I'm not, I'm, no, I'm not talking about a good spiritual guidance. I'm not talking about that. I'm not talking about your, your spiritual guidance where you partner with someone. I'm talking about people in general. Here's what's going to say. Nothing good. I mean, they'll try to talk you out of it. Or in my case, the equally, oh, well, that's nice. <laughs> Chuck's at it again. So, and that's what happens. Uh, the call is the call is the call. It'll get confirmed in the aftermath. Understand this. Because people will start to challenge your motives. They'll think that you're looking for attention. They may think that you've gone on to the, off the deep end and have become some fanatic. You know, think about it. In the boat, they're probably sitting there going, oh, there's Peter. Oh, Peter, got to get all the attention again. Oh, I'm going to walk on water with Jesus. Oh, you know? <laughs> You don't think that was human beings. That could have been happening. In this, remember something. You give him your yes without a career strategy. This is important. Those of us here that have been working, I just retired, as you know. Well, kind of. Now I'm here. Um, but those who are working, you know, that might be, your, your, that might be where your calling is at your place of work. And to fulfill your calling, you're going to have to risk your job at your place of work. They're going to say, this is a secular business, you can't do that here at work. And that you have the light. And God may have called you to be light in that place of darkness. And it's really scary. Most of you heard some of the stories I've had. And I said, for those that don't know, but it's in the car business. I was the finance manager. I'm the guy that was doing all your paperwork. And you hated me. Because I'm telling you what your monthly payments are on. I, anyway, but I can't tell you how many people I prayed with in that office. How many people responded. And I had one person write a thing back. And I, so now I'm, the bosses are all with me. Chuck, did you pray with this, cu this customer? I go, yeah. Well, here's what they wrote. In all my years of trying to buy a car, I've never seen someone who tries to pray with me in the, in the office after I've done all the paperwork. That's something I've never seen before and had a question mark. I said, well, call the customer. I remember them. They called the customer. I have told everybody about how this happened. This is the most unbelievable thing I thought was wonderful. So they thought, well, that's dollars and cents. Go ahead, Chuck, do what you want to do. <laughs> but I'm telling you, some, it's not, remember that. This is not a career strategy. You guys, I bet you've had a thousand. How can I get into the music? And I want to be a worship leader. I'm gonna, then I want to go to all around the world and tour for Jesus, of course. So, all right. I just, I, I just want everyone to see. This, there's, there's a challenge here sometimes. I, um, a whole bunch of us here were at a conference. Uh, there was a lady called uh, Jackie Pullinger. Does anyone remember Jackie Pullinger? Jackie Pollinger was a, a, in 1965, I believe, uh, maybe in 66. She's an 
uh, first she was an 18-year-old girl and decided she wanted to be a pastor, and then she was told, nope, in 1965, there are no women pastors. As a matter of fact, we don't even want you to go to theology school. You ought to be thinking about becoming a, uh, find, find yourself a husband. At age 19, and she had whatever English money was at that time, I think it was either 10 or 20 pounds in her pocket. She boarded a boat that was going to go around the world, and she trusted the Lord to let her drop off at some place where the Lord told her. 19-year-old woman by herself. She got off at Hong Kong. When she got off at Hong Kong, this woman stepped out into the streets of the poor, the broken, and in particularly, the opium-addicted people in the walled city within Hong Kong. No one had ever done this before. There was no plan. There was no strategy. There was no model to look at and say, here's the best way to do this. And she just did it. And, she, and she's still there. She's quite a bit older. I think that's amazing. But she trusted God with no plan. Now that's, that's an extreme. Now I wonder, now if your 18 or 19 year old daughter, if you have one, or if it was your brother or sister or whatever, came to you and go, hey, I think here's what I'm going to do. I've got 20 bucks. I'm hopping on a boat. It's going to take me around the world. And when I, when I say, when the spinner stops, I get off. Would say, I know that you would do. You'd have this love and compassion. You'd be slightly cautious and you'd tell that little nut to stay home. <laughs> so remember that. Be careful about getting advice on your call. Don't let someone else model your call. It's for you. Every call is different. Rick's a different pastor than you're a different pastor. I'm a different pastor. If I try to model myself to be Rick Francis, it would be an utter failure. Not because Rick isn't a great pastor. It's not me. I don't like to shave my head. So, all right, another part. You're always on your own for the first steps of your call. You're on your own. And I don't exactly know why, but everyone I've ever talked to has told me this. Just like Peter. He wanted Peter to take those first steps and focus his eyes on Jesus. And that's what that period is for. He waits for you to really, he wants to teach you intimacy, trust. He wants you to learn how to love and learn how to be loved. It's time for really reckless trust in that period, that, that early time. Be it finances or lifestyle or encouragement from others, you've got to trust him. Because he's, he's trust that he will put the identity into you that he sees in you. And so you can walk through that identity. And that really needs solitude. For those of you who know what I've gone through, I think that's what God did for me from November when I retired to this month. I've had everything. I had my car blow up in Florida. I had, then I had medical things. I couldn't hardly walk. All these things. He was saying, you, you, you got some great ideas, Chuck. Why don't you try some of mine? And he slowed me down. I think that's what it was for. Here's a really, really important one. Your call always always turns your storm into your story. And it seems like all the shattered pieces of your life are gathered into God's hand and he moves it with a purpose. And Peter never dwells on the storm. He always dwells in 
was the trust he has in, in Jesus. The hand that grabbed him that wouldn't let him drown. And, they, and here's what people keep forgetting. They walked it back to the boat. How'd they get there? They didn't say they swam back to the boat. Grabbed him by the hand, they both got to the boat. The moment you step into his call, his purpose start, begins to work in your life. And your past will be the very weapon that will destroy the work of, of Satan. Your shame is going to be replaced with, replaced with power, and the brokenness is converted into wise counsel for the broken. And that's a powerful, powerful part of your life. You know, Romans 8, 28. Everybody loves to quote Romans 8, 28. We know that all things, in, in all things, God works for the good for those who love him. And everybody stops right there. Everybody does. And says, I love God, so everything's going to be fine. But it continues, who have been called according to his purpose. And, and it tells us two things. Number one, God will work all things for good. And it also tells us all of us have a calling. All of us have a calling. And our calling is fluid. Don't forget that. If today's calling is to t climb Mount Everest, tomorrow's calling may be, now you've done this, can you go over to Mount McKinley and see how that looks? So it's always fluid, so don't miss that. Okay, anyway. And I want to really, when I talk about this, this, this part of it, this is where you're going to understand the connection of God's power and glory with his compassion. Is when you turn, when, what, what damages you the most by the, the evil one becomes the weapon that you destroy him with. And that's when you see the power of, of God, the, the compassion of Christ as an equal thing there. That when we step into his compassion, we're stepping into his power and glory. And when we step into his glory, we're stepping into his compassion. So that's really a big one for me. The call, last one, number five. The call will always lead us to Jesus. It will always lead us to Jesus. Let's face it. Who wants to be a mover and a shaker if your hearts are neither stirred or shaken? Who wants destiny without intimacy? I mean, who wants, who wants influence without obedience? When your life pulls you away from Jesus, it's really a time for reflection and prayer. Because the chances are, that's not your call or you're missing your call. You're not seeing your call. So remember, I talked about you, you, you get into the trap of your career being your life. If that career starts to pull you away from Jesus, you need to really examine that and find Jesus, ask Jesus, where is my call? If your sense of community keeps you so busy that it's pulling you away from Jesus, that's not your call. And if, and if, you're, and if the, the, uh, the fight you're fighting for justice, for, for, for hunger, for racism, if, if it's pulling you away from Jesus, that's not your calling. They're, not, they're important things. Don't give your life to it. Give your life to Jesus because he has something for you that will always pull you directly to him, tightly to him. That, you know, that you... The son will be to you as the son is to the father. And so don't miss that part of it. So if you're in your calling and you're finding yourself becoming more and more distant from Christ, you're out of your calling. Now, you may be really, really close to your calling. You've somehow twisted it. That's reason it takes a lot of time for prayer and a lot of time for reflection. 
and go back and say, God, this is where I'm supposed to be. Now, I'm not talking about a struggle, because a struggle doesn't pull you away from Jesus. It should, quite frankly, it only brings you closer. I'm not talking about difficult times. I'm not talking about, as, as we gave in the beginning, where you're certain to fail and it's impo- it seems impossible and it's a struggle and it's painful. Because your calling is obedience to sacrifice. Your calling is a suffering of the cross. But your calling is great joy. Your calling is peace beyond human understanding. Your calling is a level of love that is so unbelievable that it can't be contained in our human body. It has to flow into your calling. Because there's no other way to, for it to be It can't be pent up. And that's, that's how you, when you're in those places where you can't help but love people, there's a real good chance that's your calling. Pay attention to those moments in your life. Because those are some of your callings. I got one last thing I wanted to go over and then those of us, and we've all had it, that know we have a calling, but we just can't put our finger on it. It's making us crazy. Maybe God's keeping that in a cloud for a, a, on a temporary basis, and he's giving you other callings that are not quite as grand, not quite as wonderful, and he wants to watch your obedience in those as he builds you and trains you, because that's your process for your calling. And he'll reveal that, because maybe if he reveals it now, it'll scare the living daylights out of you. And so, I mean, think about it. If, if on my first day of meeting my wife, if I had found out, now if you know me in my past, I was a chain-smoking, alcoholic, workaholic, that had never stepped inside of a church for about 20 years. If you'd have told me that she was going to drag me into church, turn me into a Christian, and worse than that, make me one of them holy rollers, <laughs> sober me up, I'd never smoke again, and that that would be my destiny, I would have run from her. I would have set Olympic records. in the. <laughs> <laughs> so sometimes God hides it for your benefit. So don't be concerned about that. Find out where he, the steps are that you're supposed to be fulfilling right now. Okay? Because when you think you've gotten to your calling, then the big one gets revealed. I thought my calling was the Bible school or Bible class. I thought that was my calling. Then he said, okay, now you're getting some training. (laughs) You know, a lot of the people in the room here are walking on water, by the way. You've already stepped out of the... And some of us have one foot out of the boat. But really... There's a lot of people here. And I really want you to take space for a very, very dangerous and courageous call. The call of God. I want you to take space for that right now. You know, I I want right now each of us kind of get ourselves in a position where we can receive the Holy Spirit. If that's standing, I recommend that you stand. I think a lot of times it's standing for most of us. And then take your hands and turn them up with an expectation of, of the reception of, of Jesus. Let, Jesus. let God's Spirit move over you, the revelation for your life. How can we partner with Him in our jobs? How can we partner in Him in our communities and our vocations, our commitments? Let us receive the Holy Spirit tonight.
Father, come. Holy Spirit, come. Let us see with your eyes into our very hearts. Father, I want us to I think some people think that they're right in their calling, but they've kind of gotten stagnant. And the Holy Spirit's right now telling you, it's time for a reboost. Time to kick it in turbo. If that's you, let the Holy Spirit come to you right now. If you think that you're too old for a new calling, you know what? That's the impossible calling he's going to ask you to do. If you think your health doesn't allow you to do these things, that's the impossible calling he's going to ask you to do. You don't think you're smart enough or handsome enough. You're perfect then. Holy Spirit, come. Allow us to hear, allow us to hear things that have been touched in our mind. Allow us to hear those little voices that have led us to something and we've thought, yeah, that's really, that really is good. And then we've stepped away from it. And we, if I can give you my Holy Spirit, come. Hit us in our stomach. In our stomach. Let us feel a very base, base need, essence, power. Let's come. Some of you have the Holy Spirit on you right now. Yeah, Holy Spirit, come. That's it. He, he has more for you. He has so much more for you. Come, Holy Spirit. Yeah, come on. More Holy Spirit. Don't push it away. Allow it to come. Don't be afraid of the call. You can't fail because Jesus is called. You can't fail. Because you're never going to use, don't use the world's definition of success. Let the Holy Spirit come. Yeah. Yeah. Good. Good. Look at the sense of Holy Spirit's coming on you and saying, Tender. He's showing you new ways, new avenues. You both have the same heart, the same goal, but now you're saying, I've got some different ways you haven't tried before. A little bit out of who you are. And you're resisting it, saying, Well, that's just not me. He's saying, That's exactly who you are. Yeah, so let that come. That come. Jesus, Jesus is just saying, relish the mystery. Relish it. Keep asking into the mystery. Keep asking into the mystery. That's what Paul did. And that, and that, and in this example, that's what Peter did. He called into the mystery. What is this mysterious being on the water? Is it you, Jesus? No one else asked the question. That's how they knew. That's the reason they never got the answer to the mystery. It's time for you to really ask the question into the mystery. 
and let that happen. Let that go. Do not fear the failure because He's with you. He's with you. And it'll feel like failure some days. That's the world's failure. And Him, He's saying, yes, another step. <laughs> Think about that. I just got the picture of a little kid taking his first steps and falling down. What's a good father do? He rushes over, picks him up, and goes, oh, almost there, almost there, and let's do it again. There was never an idea of failure. Some, sometimes we think, oh gosh, but what if I try this and make a fool of myself? A lot of us, join us. Let the Holy Spirit guide you. you can't, you're judging, you're judging the definition of success that's not kingdom success. Judge it by the kingdom success. The world thinks Jesus was a failure. He rose from the dead. And the world thinks he was a failure. Expect that people wonder, why are you doing this? Go for it. I just see this. Even with this small gathering, I just see so many things happening. Light bulbs are going light bulbs are going off in everybody's head right now. You've all heard a voice now, and it's been now you've recalled it. And now you know where to walk. What what the the light ahead of you looks like. Be light. I'd like to close in prayer, Father. Continue to allow us to allow us to be revealed in your heart as your heart moves into our heart. Allow us to see how you see the five-year plan, the ten-year plan, the twenty-year plan, or the fifteen-minute plan. I ask Sir, Sir Edmund Hillary. Is that right? Okay. Climb first one to climb to the top of Mount Everest. That's what was the most difficult part. He said the very first step, because from that point on it was failure. We didn't get to the top. Some of us are hesitant for our first step because we're afraid of something not going right. God's plans can change all the time. Be ready for it. So. If you're asking, I'm going to tell you exactly why this came about. Someone who was 49 years old to me is too old for a calling. He said, oh gosh, I'm too old for that. When I told him I was 65 years old. I know someone who's 90 years old and she's still searching and probing and moving forward in her next calling. My comment to him was, that means Israel's still in Egypt because Moses was well past 49 years old when he saw a bush out in the field. We all have this calling. When I asked Jesus to clarify it, clarify the steps that are in our hearts for tomorrow and the next day. Clarify each step and say, Jesus, what are you doing today? What can I jump in on?
You never know what phone call may come that be all of a sudden it's, there you go. Or what conversations you may have. It'll strike you and you'll say, how in the world would that happen? So Lord, we just thank you tonight. We give you all the praise. We give you the praise because this is your kingdom. This is not us trying to find a new career. This is us finding how we can be perfect servants for you. How we can touch others because our spiritual disciplines are is for the filling of us of Christ for others. Paul always said, I suffer, my sufferings are for you. Not so I can so show how my faith is so much higher than everybody else's. For you. Lord, we ask that we understand this completely. Our calling will always bring us closer and closer to you. And so we should relish the call. And so we thank you, Jesus, for all of this. In Jesus' name, amen. If anyone else got a word for anyone that's here today, if someone saw someone or just got a picture of someone, if, by the way, you got a picture or a word for someone who's not here, write it down before you start, it starts to get twisted. Write it down so you can relay that to them. If it's for like a, ch a child, grandchild, friend, church member. This is a really important time because oftentimes someone has something in their mind. If all you have to have is someone say, I see this in you. Now for the real funny part. My wife, the, like two weeks after we got married, she, my wife's Korean. My wife went to a conference it, it held at Moody for Korean missionaries throughout the world. They asked different people what they saw things happening. And she said, and I already described who I was when I got married. She says, I see my husband as a pastor someday. And, and so I thought that was kind of a joke. And I said, yeah, I'll receive the calling as long as it's in Hawaii. <laughs> so I thought it was funny. And we, when our day of ordination, you remember, I don't know if you remember or not, but son just bawled. Because you remember that. So, just remember, there's a lot of people praying for your calling. Trust it. Just trust it. All right. That's all I have. Thanks for listening to this week's podcast. To receive more audio content from The Vineyard, click the subscribe button in iTunes.